This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Some of the developments breaking at this hour. In Victoria, Premier John Horgan, uh, very likely on the phone right now with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as they continue to talk about the pipeline, anti-pipeline blockades that have sprung up around uh, British Columbia and the rest of Canada. Uh, the government also this morning, through John Horgan's office, saying that they will agree to meet with Gitscan and uh, Wet'suwet'en hereditary leaders in an, some sort of effort to find a compromise or a breakthrough here. I think that could could be difficult. They've tried that in the past. The We're keeping a close eye as well on the occupation of Attorney General David Eby's office in Vancouver. As we continue to follow all these developments and we hear from both sides in the pipeline fight, one thing that I think is important to recognize and understand is the benefits that the project is creating for First Nations and for Indigenous people. Now, you may have heard that all 20 of the First Nations along this pipeline route have signed uh, benefit-sharing agreements with the company through their elected band councils. A lot of people know that now, that the, two, the 20 First Nations support it here the, along, that, along that pipeline corridor. What you may not know are some of the details of the individual business development deals and contracts that are being signed, like over $600 million dollars worth the contracts. I write about this today in the province newspaper, and I strongly encourage you to check it out. You can read it online at theprovince.com or follow me on Twitter where I've tweeted it out. And the deals and the contracts and the projects that are spinning off from this pipeline are really extraordinary. And one of the ones I find really amazing to me is one in northern British Columbia. It's a 700-worker residential facility for pipeline workers that's being built in partnership with the Natalie Wutan First Nation or Fort Fraser. They built this facility on the ruins of a residential school that was torn down in the 1990s. This is a school that had been the subject of pain for this community. And the leaders there are saying this is like an historical event that they build an, an indigenous-controlled business enterprise on the ruins of a residential school. Think of the symbolism of that. That's just one. That's just one of the deals, one of the spin-off economic deals from this project. And whether you support it or not, I think it's important to understand uh, how this project is benefiting a lot of First Nations people who uh, are supporting it. Let me introduce you now to George Hemian. He is the manager of Indigenous Contracting for Coastal GasLink, and I'm very pleased to welcome him. Hiya, George. Yeah, hi there, Mike. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks a lot for doing this. I know you d- you haven't done a whole lot of radio interviews, so I, I I'm grateful to you for that. And one thing I want to let's talk about your background first of all. You're an, you're an indigenous guy yourself, right? Squamish Nation. Yeah, I'm a member of a uh, Squamish Nation, and I've worked with the project since uh, essentially since the beginning, since uh, 2012. How did you get into that? Well, I think for me, I mean, some of my background in schooling, I was always interested in Indigenous governance and various policy-type pieces. And so for me, it was uh, looking at benefits and how you can bring economic development as a way to address various 
um, concerns and those communities sort of naturally uh, was allowed me to gravitate to those types of fields. So, uh, but coming to uh, to TC Energy into the Coastal GasLink project, it was this great opportunity to essentially look at what are those contracting and employment opportunities and how can we integrate um, you know our activities in a way that ensure benefits to those communities. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that. How, uh, what are the values so far of the contracts that have been signed with First Nations and with Indigenous-owned businesses here? Sure. So uh, I think so far the, there's been approximately $850 million in contracts that have been awarded to Indigenous businesses, many of whom are actually partnered with local non-Indigenous businesses. And I think for our project, we're forecasting over a billion dollars in, in contract awards. What I should mention is that if we back up a little bit, uh, we had an announcement uh, a while back where we announced $620 million in contract awards for camps, clearing, first aid, and security work. And these are largely uh, designated for Indigenous businesses. Again, like I mentioned, those have uh, largely essentially unfolded as Indigenous and local and non-Indigenous uh, partnerships. But also as part of that uh, announcement, we identified an additional $400 million in uh, contracting opportunities that we we essentially targeted them for both Indigenous and local non-Indigenous businesses. And again, I think the, the, the real positive story in that is of that $400 million, we've actually uh, um, awarded approximately $230 million of it, and the large majority of it is actually going to Indigenous and local non-Indigenous businesses, and again, many Indigenous and local non-Indigenous partnerships. Okay, what, what kind of impact does that make? And the numbers you just outlined there are, are extraordinary. When you start throwing around numbers like $800 million in deals, like, is this, is there any precedent for that in, in Canadian history with, you know, these type of deals going to Indigenous businesses? Yeah, well, not in my experience. In my experience, this is historic for this country and how we engage uh communities for contracting and employment, especially along long linear projects. Uh, I can tell you that, you know, the amount of work, whether it's employment or contracting and the engagement with these communities is absolutely unprecedented. Okay, speaking of George Hemian, he's the manager of Indigenous Contracting here for, for the pipeline. George, tell me a little bit about some of the some of the deals and some of the projects that have that are going on. Like you mentioned camps and clearing. What exactly is that? Like is a camp like where the workers would live on the they were working on the pipeline? Yeah, I mean our yeah. workforce accommodations and, and you know, yeah. off the top you you'd referenced um, the Nodley Wooten First Nation, and yeah. they're partnered with Horizon North and Falcon Camps, who's actually uh, out of Prince George, for the Little Rock Lake Lodge. And again, right. located on a site of a residential school, um, you know, the location of this camp is important. And when we were talking uh, in the earlier days with the community, they absolutely identified that that was an, imp- an, um, an important location and an and, and important opportunity uh, for their community members. So for like us... Did, is that, was yeah. it important because they saw that as symbolic? Like, you know, you take the ruins of a residential school as kind of a symbol for of sure. pain to this community, yeah, and rebuild. 
Yeah, I mean, without putting words in their mouths, but yeah. I think that the whole idea is it symbolized a bit of a turning point and and marked a, sort of a, a new way for um, both the nation and for industry to move forward uh, and ensure benefits to, to community members in a very responsible way. Yeah, I think that's amazing. What's, what is clearing? Is that like cutting down trees to make way for the pipeline? <clears throat> Yeah, right away clearing is another big one in terms of uh, First Nation or Indigenous participation. It's exactly that. It's clearing the right away of, of trees and getting things ready uh, for construction. And there's all sorts of great examples of uh, First Nation member businesses who's, who have partnered with uh, their own uh, communities to provide these services. So one example is Taba. Uh, they're partnered with the Nakazle Wooten, uh, again, a member-owned business partnered with the nation to provide clearing services. Uh, M&M Resources is an Indigenous business partnered with a number of nations, including Doig River First Nation, Blueberry River First Nation, and Nitai Bun Nation to provide clearing services. Also probably wow. worth mentioning, um, Does Show Logging is a McLeod Lake Indian band business performing a good chunk of clearing workforce as well as well as uh, Kaya Resources, which is a Witset, a Wet'suwet'en, uh, uh, sort of broader Wet'suwet'en uh, community, Witset is. And they've uh, been, you know, been just great in, in working with us for both clearing and access roads. In many cases, I think we're talking about communities that have been uh, had tough times. Maybe they got some high unemployment rates, uh, remote communities in some cases. How important are these jobs? I mean, that's got to be precious to people, this type of investment in jobs. Well, it's it's absolutely critical. So, Mike, you know, you and I have good career jobs. We're here working, but in, in many of those communities, you know, finding uh, a good bit of work for a period of time is not easy to find. So we feel that the employment opportunities from this project um, are critically important, both for essentially that paycheck, but also for folks to help build their skills. And many of those skills will be transferable, and they can go and take that into other areas, maybe after the project, or perhaps if they feel like, hey, pipelining is a, a career that they want to get into, um, then they can sort of follow that work where wherever it goes. Right. People might think like, okay, the, the camps, uh, the worker camps and the clearing for the pipeline along the pipeline corridor are kind of obvious work opportunities for people. But you mentioned a couple of others that maybe not might spring to mind for people and kind of spin off employment, like first aid, for example, or I, I've been yeah. reading about security and, and some of these facilities that can be uh, filled by indigenous workers, uh, food services. I mean, there's a lot of spin off opportunities there. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So all of those um, activities are largely, again, being performed by First Nation joint ventures. So we know for security, there's gonna, we're going to need static security at all of our locations. So it's a great opportunity for folks. And we're actually going to be coming forward with a bit of a call and an effort to ensure uh, that folks are interested in that service. They're going to get that opportunity. And, and along with that, we'll run them through their appropriate training so that they're best suited to, uh, to perform those activities. Activities. Similarly, you mentioned food services yeah. when it comes to things like the camps. Again, I think it's right. important to, to recognize these are First Nation joint ventures. So, um, you know, Coastal GasLink and folks on my team and within the prime contractors teams, uh, we're going to be working closely with actually those First Nation joint ventures to make sure that the opportunities are getting out to both local and uh, Indigenous uh, uh, community members who are interested in working. 
Speaking to George Hemian, he's the manager of Indigenous Contracting for the Coastal Gasoline Pipeline. George, what has this been like for you personally as an Indigenous guy yourself from the Squamish Nation to be involved in, in some of these business deals? I understand you're an, are you an artist as well, I believe you told me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so, you know, just backing up for sure. Yeah. I mean, this has been, you know, to be part of such uh, a great opportunity just in and of itself is is a great honor for me. And, you know, I was uh, speaking a long time ago when I was doing my education with Frank Calder. He's a great NISCA yeah. leader. And, yeah. and he told me, he said, you know, we need to affect change, and and one of the way for one of the ways for folks to do that is to work within these corporations, work within government, and affect change that way. So I've taken that really personally to heart. Um, you know, that's the work I do within uh, this project. But on a personal note, you know, I, I seem to have this great blessing. Um, I'm a Coast Salish artist. I mentioned I'm a member of Squamish Nation. And I've had the opportunity to create artworks for each of these First Nations uh, that we're partnered with to celebrate and to illustrate the importance of our relationship. So when when I'm at each of these communities, I see my artwork, and it makes me, you know, immensely proud and honored to be part of the project and to be working with these communities. Yeah. I, I bet it does. It, it, can it be difficult, too, though? I mean, obviously, we've seen divisions in the community. I mean, I've heard from people, is it, is it tough to stand up and say, I believe in these projects, I want to work with these companies, if some people in the community are, are opposed to it? Well, I mean... For me, it, it isn't difficult at all. I know that uh, Coastal GasLink is, you know, we're we're leading the way when it comes to sort of changing the way industry works with uh, Indigenous communities. And for me, when you start to talk about the benefits, especially around employment and, and how that can trickle down into the community to address various social issues, you know, we know language is important and all those things. So knowing that you're efforts and what you're doing within the community certainly um, puts you in a good position to sure. uh, to face that criticism. George, it's been a pleasure to have you on here. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Anytime. Okay, that's George Hemian, manager of Indigenous Contracting for Coastal GasLink. I thought it was really important to get him on because I think that people don't really understand the scale of the business opportunities, the employment, the income, the economic development that's going on with these First Nations, with these Indigenous workers and, 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 and Indigenous-owned companies. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.